Support for Meaningful Conversations comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website. Choose a template you love and customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. You can even create a beautiful website while listening to this podcast. How about that? Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their website. So create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash Meaningful Conversations to get 10% off. I'm Maria Shriver, and this is Meaningful Conversations. On every episode, we'll take a journey into the lives of inspiring, thoughtful, thought-provoking people. People who are smart, spirited, and spiritual. People who have done extraordinary things to make a positive impact on our world. These are people I respect and admire. People who inspire me. I want them to share their stories, their experiences, their wisdom, and their feelings with you. I hope we can come together in community to reflect on the issues and topics that we're all thinking about, but no one seems to be talking about. I hope that you're inspired to have more meaningful conversations with the people in your life. I am enough. Listen to those three simple words. We don't tell ourselves that nearly as often as we should. Best-selling author and therapist Marissa Peer is determined to help us all change that. She says if we turn the mirror on ourselves and start saying to ourselves, I am enough, then we can build the strength and the confidence to change our entire lives, present and future. I'm excited that I got to sit down with her for a meaningful conversation, and I look forward to you all hearing what she has to say. And better yet, I look forward to all of you implementing what she has to say. Remember, you are enough. Where'd you get him? I was very lucky. I went to husband school and they picked me the best one. Aw, when did Actually, you go we, to school? When we, did you graduate and get him? And no, how? We, we, our children went to the same school. That's how we met. Oh, uh, uh, Nine years ago. Not, you met nine no, we years met, ago. No, we met Thanks. 20 years ago. He was but a bit slow it. off the uptake. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that must mean it's real because it, like, took that long. Yeah, and our children... Yeah, our children really love each other. So that's so you've been so together nice. nine years, but yeah. known each other twenty. Yeah, yeah, I love stories like that. Yes. And then there was like one moment where like something clicked. Yeah. yeah. What? Tell me. Because we were both with other people when our kids were at school, so right. we didn't like look at each other and go, "Oh my God!" But we then we met. I was in Africa. I came back and I went to this. Took my friends out, and he was at the same place, and we sat on the same table, and that was that. And then we got in, he tried to persuade me to marry him that night. He did? Yeah, he did. But, and then he took me to Morocco and tried to persuade me again. 
And then, wow! And then what I, did he? What did he? What did you do like that night at the table? You, know, you talking to the mic? <laughs> <laughs> this is actually, no, it's like, super yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. No. it's actually super interesting. Yeah, and it's so lovely it's that not how I was starting, yeah. but I didn't want to start there. But I, I think your book is great. Oh, thank you. But I think finding someone to share your life yeah, with so is important. such a huge yeah. quest that yeah. we're all on. So what I'm interested in is you guys knew each other for 20 years. Yeah. So you're friends, you're with other people, your mm. kids knew each other. And then all of a sudden, you know, time oh goes by, you sit down at a table and in your mind, John, you're like, that's it. That's it. But how did that that's it, come, because you've known you never, this woman. Don't you read fairy stories? <laughs> what? Don't you read fairy stories? Yes, but I, that's yeah, once, why I'm interested once, in once yours. Once upon a time, a prince uh, found a princess, and that's it. There's no more. And that's it. And I knew that um, I need to marry her. That was it. But so, then tell me a little bit more. Give me more description. Tell me the Morocco story. No, tell me the story. Really... First, tell me the story before you get to Morocco, because you're sitting down at a table. You haven't been really, mm. like, you're friends, yeah. right? So you hadn't looked at each other that way. No. And so how'd you shift from friend to that way? How'd you get to I know? Wow. Isn't it, that, that's, that's trying to say something went in my head on a logical basis. It wasn't logic. I just sat down and I knew where I needed to spend the rest of my life. And so <laughs> I, I, I would love to say, well, I thought this and then I thought that, but it didn't happen that way. Right. I just fell in love straight away. You sat down and you looked at her and like, yeah. in your heart, you knew. Yeah. And then I had to get her to agree to that. That was, you know, that was only a little bit more time. I had to take, I had to get, by January the 14th. Yeah. Yeah. And so we met in the, we re-met in the November or yeah. October. Yeah. November, yeah. By January the 14th, I'd proposed and uh, agreed that she would be my wife and we were married then in the August. So, so what yeah. did, so Marissa <coughs> says that something happened in Morocco. What happened in Morocco? Well, I thought I'd nail this by taking my lovely woman to Morocco and on New Year's Eve and it was a complete disaster. I mean, everything went wrong. The meal went wrong, the booking went wrong, the hotel was rubbish and I'm thinking, I've really screwed this up. I mean, I couldn't have screwed it up more. Uh -huh. And it ended, uh, there's a complete long story, but it ended with... Um, us um, trying to light the fire romantically. I thought I could recover everything. And a hotel attendant uh, threw kerosene on, on the fire and almost napalmed ourselves uh, when we were in bed. A, a fire sheet came at us. And I, I remember lifting the uh, cover over us. I'm thinking, I've just lost this. And I took the cover back, expecting her to be angry. And she was laughing like crazy. And I went, I've got it. I've got it. If this can make her laugh, then everything can. And then two weeks later, I, she, uh, uh, she accepted my proposal, yeah. baby. Yeah. Because in the book, Marissa, you write about everybody looking for yeah, the for one. Yeah. And we're told there is one person out there yeah. and the one will make our mm. life better. And how did he become the one? Did you have to change your mindset? Well, a lot of, he's very funny and funny is super important. So all, when I met him, I mean, he did have to convince me. It, it was interesting that we came back from Morocco and I fell over in the snow and broke my arm. And he drove across London in ice in the middle of the night to take me to hospital. And then when I came back, he, he had to, I couldn't even put my bra on. It's very nice for him because he had to move in and undress and dress me and look after me wash my hair and so wow. for two weeks he did everything and, and he, I think he made himself indispensable 
But it was, he's very intelligent, he's very kind, he's very funny, all the things that matter. So I was looking at him thinking, yeah, he really does have all the qualities for someone I'm going to spend the rest of my life with, but I still needed a bit more convincing. And um, yeah, but it's really worked out because the humor is so important. He can always make me laugh. You know, we've had some issues, not between ourselves, but with what life's thrown at us, but his humor is always made everything worthwhile. So I think people look for someone for the wrong reasons. Have you got, has he got hair? Has he got a six pack? Is he wealthy? You should never ask those questions. You should say, does this person make me laugh? Even on my worst day, have they got my back? Will they lift me up? Are they funny? Are they interesting? Can I talk to them about anything? Will they support me when things are bad, not just good? And um, so many people ask the wrong questions. Men too. What size are her breasts? You know, has she got shiny hair? Is she a ten? Has she got long legs? I mean, has she got? Is she perfect? And that's totally no wonder people can't find love. They ask the wrong questions. Are you gorgeous? I mean, who cares about that? That's the least important thing. It doesn't last doesn't make a relationship work but they never ask you know are we compatible do we like the same things mm -hmm. one of my friends had a much younger boyfriend who turned up at us at 4 a.m and said let's go clubbing she's like you know i need to go to bed at 10 i'm like well you're incompatible you can't be with someone 15 years younger that wants to go clubbing i mean where's that ever going to go but people get so carried away with this Oh, you know, the passion is... Well, we, I mean, we have amazing passion. It is amazing. But that's just part of the package. People get with someone because the sex, you know, makes the fireworks go off. And But that, that doesn't last, unfortunately. I was talking to a friend last night who was saying, you know, I had all of these kind of hot crazy dramatic relationships and then I met someone who I felt was the one but he wasn't my type and so I had to sit in the uncomfortability yeah. of that and then you know what turned out to be really hot and I said no what and he said someone who loved me yeah yeah that turned really out to hot. be the hot thing as yeah. opposed to everything he'd grown up thinking was the hot thing. Yeah, and often your type is, is not what you think your type, because, because the minds need to recreate what's familiar. We go for a type who's like our father. And often that's not that we think, oh, you know, I met this guy and we just clicked like that. That's because he reminds you of someone from your past. But uh, your best friend chemistry, you meet from relationship, you need best friend chemistry and you need sexual chemistry, and you've you got to have them both. But if you just have sexual chemistry, that's a disaster. And if you just have best friend chemistry, that often doesn't really work either because there's no sex. But nature will not allow a relationship to exist on sexual chemistry alone. I mean, nature's so clever that you meet someone and it's all hot and heavy and you're doing it all night, but nature goes, right, you've been having wild sex for two years. You must have made a kid. Now I'm going to turn your sex life right down because you've got to get out of that bed and start looking after that kid that you must have made. So after two years, it's really impossible to keep that going because nature turns everything down deliberately. Wow. So you, you talk about first, before you can be in a relationship like the one you're in, you have to begin to tell yourself you're yeah. the one. You have to love yourself. And yeah. there has been so much in the media about love yourself, make peace, you know, not war, love yourself, all of this sort of stuff. And so many people go like, I don't even know what that means. Sure. And of course, mm -hmm. I would love myself if I could. But those are just words. They don't, yeah. I don't feel them. So talk to me about 
getting to a place where you could feel, really feel, not intellectualize, that you were the one so you could be in a relationship with someone who was? Such a good question, because so many people who want love, they try to change the wrong things. I'm going to go on a diet and punish my body into being a size zero, then I'll find love. I'm going to have breast implants or hair extensions. I'm going to get an amazing makeover. And we try to change the wrong thing, our looks, our shape, our hair, and men too. I'll get a different car, I'll buy better clothes, I get a six pack, I'll pretend I'm more successful. If you want love, change one thing. How much you believe you're worth it. You will find love when you know that you are lovable. And people say, well, how do I do that? Well, first of all, you tell yourself every day, I am lovable, I'm deserving of love, I am worthy of love, because that's true. Everyone is worthy of love. But you have to say it over and over again, because we do. I'm lovable if I get rid of the cellular. I'm lovable if I have person. I'm lovable if my breasts are up here and I've got a small butt and fat hair. But if I've got a fat butt and thin hair, then maybe I'm not lovable. But you talk that you're not really advocating positive thinking. Mm. It's different, which I think you're, those are positive affirmations. Mm. But you make a distinct point in your book yeah. that what you're advocating isn't just No, you've got to fall in love with yourself. And how you fall in love with yourself is the same way you would fall in love with someone else. You say, there you are. So imagine you've come out of the shower and you're about to clean. You look and you go, oh, there you are, you beautiful creature. There you are, you gorgeous thing. Or look at you, you're lovely. And you just say nice things to yourself. So I do yoga a lot. And every time I stand up from position, I go, oh, there you are, lovely you. And you you have to say nice things to yourself. I'm kind, I'm lovable, I matter, I'm a good person. And you can say things like, you know, I'm warm and friendly, I've got lovely eyes, but you want someone to fall in love with who you are, not what you look like, not what you earn. No one ever says, I love you because you're a Beverly Hills dentist. I mean, whoever would say that? You love someone because you love their soul. So if you practice falling in love with yourself and saying all the things to yourself that you'd like a great guy to say or a great girl, the thing about the mind is that it doesn't know where these words come from. If you say, I'm mm. lovable, I'm amazing, I matter, your mind doesn't go, well, you're saying that. It lets it in. Mm-hmm. The mind doesn't care whether what you tell it is true or false or right or wrong or good or bad. It lets it in. And that's why you write so... I think, well about negative words oh, yeah. and their devastating impact. Because it lets those in, on, too. It lets those in and how we so often talk to ourselves in a way that is abusive, critical, sure. relentless, beating ourselves up from the minute we get up to the minute we go to bed, yeah. and the mind is letting that in. It doesn't care what you tell it. It doesn't care if it's real or false or healthy or unhealthy or useful, and it lets it all in. It's a bit like if you put lotion on your skin. Your skin doesn't go, is this fair trade organic, or is it really cheap <laughs> stuff full of parabens? It will let it sink in. And it's very much the same thing. And so often we do the negative. We go, who's going to want me? I've got cellulite. Who's going to love me? I've got two kids. Who's going to love me? Mm -hmm. I'm not young. I'm not beautiful. I'm not a supermodel. I mean, I know so many supermodels who don't have love. And that's the problem too, because even when you look amazing, that's no guarantee that you'll get love. You can find love, of course, but you can't keep it. Because... 
models, by their very nature, have a sell-by day, and they always think there's someone younger, thinner, taller coming right up behind me. You know, they, they have the look, they don't have the belief. It's a world of massive insecurity. So you have to believe you're worth it. So you talk, and why I wanted to talk to you was, you know, I've been following you on Instagram, and I think that you have started this I'm Enough movement, and that really throughout the book, and, you know, I could talk to you for hours, literally, because I I went through the book last night, and I had been out on a shoot all during the day, and I got going, you know, and I was like underlining everything in the book, and, but you, you say there are really three different types of people that you see, and one is the one that the first category person is the one who wants everything and is kind of doesn't believe they're going to get it. The other is the person who kind of has it and is sabotaging it at every turn. And the third type of person is one who's actually happy, at peace, and grateful for everything. Mm. And that everybody obviously wants to be in the third category. And that what really fundamentally, and you go through a lot in the book, which we'll get to, but that people who are in the first and second category, really believe deeply in their soul and heart that they are not enough. Yeah, it's such a sickness. I mean, you only have to look at people like Whitney Houston, Amy Winehouse, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Heath Ledger, these beautiful, talented people who had everything except the thing that matters, which is I'm enough. And you see, when you don't think you're enough, you need more, more food, more products, more shopping, more drugs, more alcohol, more praise, because you're empty inside and you go to everyone else going, can you make me feel I'm enough? Can you praise me? Can you love me? Can you adore me? Can you give me more likes? Can you look at my page? Can you follow me on Facebook? And we now give someone else the job of telling us we're enough. So I might go, hey, yeah, I can do that for you. But they can also remove it like that. I go, I don't love you anymore. I found someone younger with thinner thighs than you. Oh, I found someone better than you. So if you give someone else a job of making you feel enough, they can take that away any time. But when you do it, mm-hmm. it lasts forever. But you, you write in here, which is so true, that most people who are walking around with this belief, I am not enough, it stems from when they were very small. Of course, before five. Before five. So something happened in their homes, in their experiences with their mother, their father, or their primary caregiver, where they felt disconnected, rejected, and they assumed the mantle that I am not worthy, I am not enough. So how in a moment can you switch that? Well, you have to go back and have a look at where did I get that? My mom preferred my brother. My mom was always crying because my dad left. My mom was always crying. We didn't have enough money. And I thought that was my fault. You see, children must idealize their parents. You depend on them to make it. So if a parent's unhappy, a child never thinks, you know, my mom's an alcoholic, my dad's mentally ill, my mom's depressed. They think it's my fault. Mm -hmm. It's my fault my parents are unhappy. And then once they buy into that, they don't know how to ever get rid of it. So you just go back and look at your childhood and go, but that's not me. That's not me. It wasn't my fault that my mom was depressed. It wasn't my fault my dad didn't stick around. I am lovable. You're not your childhood. You're not what happened. And parents say things like, but your sister could do up her shoes when she was three. Your brother never got food all over the table. I don't understand. Why aren't you good? Or 
So children hear this negative stuff, or they hear what people think is a good thing. I love you because you're pretty. I love you because you're clever. And the child hears, oh, and if I wasn't, you wouldn't. And then they get confused with this limiting love, this conditional love. And so through praise and criticism, children start to think they're not good enough. I mean, my little girl, when she was tiny, was saying to me, Mommy, you know, I can't write my name in a box at school. And my friend Amy can. And and the teachers would always tell them that, you know, they had to get their name in a box. So I'm like, but your name is Phaedra. Her other friend was called DM Antopoulos. I mean, how could she ever get her name in a box? <sighs> but schools do that. They give a prize to yeah. the best kid. So one kid gets a prize, 30 kids don't get a prize, and they don't get a prize for effort. They get a prize for achievement. So the gifted kids get all the prizes. And the other kids feel rejected. They feel not enough. You know, we the whole school system mm -hmm. should not reward achievement. They should reward effort. And they shouldn't, beauty pageants, all that stuff that says to people, you don't matter unless you're smart and gorgeous. Don't go away. We'll have more of the conversation in just a moment. But first, let's talk about one of our sponsors. It's dinner time, but your stomach is rumbling and you still don't know what you're going to eat tonight. Sound familiar? With DoorDash, you don't need to get up from the couch to get a meal cooking. DoorDash connects you to all of your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Just use the DoorDash app and choose what you want to eat and your Dasher will bring it right to you, wherever you are. Not only is the burger place you love on DoorDash already, but over 310 thousand other amazing restaurants are too. DoorDash connects you with door-to-door -door delivery in over 3,300 cities and all 50 states across the U.S. and Canada. Order from your local go-to's or choose from your favorite chains, Wendy, Cheesecake Factory, you name it. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code MEANINGFUL. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code MEANINGFUL. Again, that's promo code MEANINGFUL for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Now let's get back to the conversation. What I, I like about the book is that this is such a prevailing thought that people have, like, I am not enough. I've had that myself, sure, right? We, uh, me and too. And so we've all had, and the idea that what you really write in here is about the power of the mind. Power of the mind and the, the power pow of words. And the power of yeah. words. And therefore, if you feel... I am not enough. If you feel, which as I say, the vast majority of people do, and you equate the mind to a wild horse, yeah. and that you are the horse trainer, sure. and a not an intermediate one, as you say, most people are intermediate horse trainers, but you can become an excellent horse trainer, yeah. and rein those thoughts in, change 
the mind, re, in a way, reparent yourself. Yeah, reparenting yourself is important, yeah. Because you see, you can choose. People don't understand it's a choice. Being positive is a choice. Being negative is a choice. You can choose either, but what you can't choose is what you do to yourself. When you're negative, what you do to your body, how much you invite illness and depression just by words. That's going to kill me. I'll die if I get dumped again. I could never do it. I can't cope with this. I'm out of bandwidth, none of which is true. You say that so many people come into you and you've seen so many people in your practice that say, I can't do this. I can't cope. I'll never be. I, you know, it's not going to happen for me. And you say that it's really important to switch that dialogue, but to switch it with clear instructions, not just positive words, but, you know, clear instructions. Explain the difference to the mind. So I've had a lot of clients with mental illness, bipolar, and one of the things that says, I can't cope. I can't cope with noise. I can't cope with going to the store. It's too noisy. I can't cope with pressure. And they use this word, I can't cope. And I make them turn it around and go, I have phenomenal, extraordinary coping skills. Because you see, every time you talk to your mind, you're giving it a message. You're giving it a command. Every word you say is a blueprint to your mind. When you go, that's going to be a disaster. That will all go wrong. Your mind's job is to listen to your words and make them come true. So saying I have extraordinary coping skills as opposed to I can't cope is giving your mind a clear direction. I can cope with anything. Bring it on. Even if you don't believe that initially. You don't have to believe it. You do not have to believe it. You just have to say it. Because again, the mind doesn't care. The mind doesn't stop to think, is this true or false? It believes everything. You know, if you go in front of a dog or a horse going, I'm scared of animals, I don't like them. They won't like you because they pick up your fear. And if you stand and go, I love dogs, I love horses, they believe it. Walk on stages as people go, this is all going to be terrible. I don't know why I volunteered to do this. I'm terrible as a speaker. You won't be able to do it. Go on and go, I'm a great speaker. I'm really good at expressing myself. Whatever you say becomes true. And you write about kind of, you write in there, lie, cheat, and steal your way. So you're basically saying lie to yourself in the beginning because your mind doesn't. Yeah, lie. Lie, cheat, and steal. Lie to your mind, cheat fear, and steal back the extraordinary confidence that you were born with. No babies born lacking confidence ever. So you really believe, and this is what to me I think is the is the underlying foundation or or need or or goal of this book is like I am enough. Make mark your mirror and change your life. I am enough. Mark your mirror and change your life. How can marking your mirror change your life? Yeah, because it's just three words, but the feedback I get from people with difficult kids, stressed kids, unhappy kids will say, wow, you know, I wrote that on my child's mirror, I'm enough, and they became a different person. It was extraordinary. One person told me that her son's father died of cancer, and he was devastated, but that was the only thing that helped him, because he kept saying, you know, I don't have a dad, and then he started, but I'm still enough. I'm still enough. I'm still lovable. I still matter. So three little words can and will change your life when you write it and make it your passwords, obviously with some squiggles and dots in there and put it on your phone alerts and put it on your cushions or your pillowcases and say, I am enough. The mind lets it in. It sinks in. 
And as it sinks in, it starts to make an impact. Because if you wake up every day thinking, I'm not enough, you won't be a risk taker. You won't ask someone out. You won't ask for a pay rise because your fundamental belief is I'm not enough. Imagine it just being one word different. I am enough. And now you can talk to people. You can take risks because when you know you're enough, you can't be rejected. And our greatest fear is to be rejected. So your theory also is that even if you don't believe you are enough, even if in comparison to others, you feel less than, you know, to cheat your way into feeling that yeah. way. Yeah, just say it over and over again because you won't feel it. But you see, the mind learns by repetition. If you say something over and over again, it becomes you try saying I'm clumsy every day and watch what happens. Try saying I have a phenomenal memory and then switch that with I've got the worst memory in the world. That whatever you say will become your reality. Okay, pause with that. Whatever you say will become your reality. That is incredibly powerful mm. because it, it is you doing to you. Yeah, it exactly. is you taking on somebody else's opinion of you, mm. impression of you, could be a fantasy that you even have yeah. that they're saying, and you're describing yourself to yourself in negative sure. terms, right? Yeah, because your words do shape your reality. We should all be teaching people to pay attention to our words. Our words are everything. You know, our thoughts create our feelings. They create our actions. But everything starts with a thought. So if someone said to you, I don't love you anymore, mm -hmm. their words, and that can devastate, you can think, well, that's a shame. But everything you loved about me is still in me. It hasn't gone anywhere. I'm still that person you fell in love with. I'm going to find someone else who will love me even more. And I love me. Because nobody can reject you unless you give them your consent. And you get to choose whether to consent to being rejected or to not consent to being rejected. You always have a choice. I like also in the book you talk about um, that everything you, you talk about is, is about actively reframing the events of your own life yeah. to reflect a more realistic and positive picture. Sure. So explain if somebody's like my you know, dad died or my mom died. I got fired from my job. I, you know, never got thin. I'm depressed. How can you reframe these events to make them work for your mind? You have to reframe events. You see, events don't affect you, but the meaning you attach to an event will affect you. So I could go back and go, my first boyfriend dumped me and broke my heart. He did. I was 17. Now I look back and think, you know what? That's the best thing he ever did for me. When I met him again years later, I wanted to kiss his feet and go, thank you so much for dumping me because I found somebody way better. You, you have to reframe everything. You so how do you reframe I got dumped by my first boyfriend? Well, do you still want to be with him? I mean, look back at the guy you were dating at 16. Do you still want to be with him? I got fired. I got kicked out of college. Everything that happened to me was negative. I look back now and it was good. You have to turn that to your advantage. We've all been dumped. Most of us have been fired for one reason or another. But if that never happened, you'd still be in that same job with that same person. And most people who are successful... Even Catherine Zeta-Jones, she was dumped by two boyfriends, came to America with a broken heart, met Michael Douglas. She probably wakes up every day and goes, thank you so much that they dumped me. It's up to you what you do with that. It doesn't mean that you are rejectable. It just means it didn't work out. Some people say, you know, that guy, 
he ripped out my heart, trampled all over it, and smashed it into a million pieces. No, darling, he got bored with you. You might have got bored with him. Put it into perspective. So when people say to me, you know, my first marriage ended, I'm like, that's a starter marriage. It's like a starter home. You can have a starter marriage. It didn't work. The next one will be better. You have to learn from your mistakes, but you have to decide what this means. Your marriage didn't work. You talk a lot of, in the book about beliefs. Yeah. And we all have them. Sure. And for many people, they're fixed and they're limited mm. and they're negative. Yeah. And you write about the importance and the power of looking at really every belief that you have sure. and challenge it. Is it mine? Is yeah. it someone else's? Where did I get it? Where did I get it? Is it working for sure. me? And it, there's a whole theory, right, that even your beliefs are kind of almost generational. Mm. They're subconscious. Yeah. And they're directing your present mm. day life. And it, also about money, you know, money beliefs. If you hear parents go, we can't find the money and I don't know where the money's coming from. We can't get the money. You go with a belief that I can't get money. You know, love blocks and money blocks are very similar. And you have to look at that too. Why do I believe I can't find the money? Why do I believe there's not enough money to go around? Why do I believe if I get more someone else will have to get less, or if I get more, people won't like me. So how do you change a belief that might be limiting you or is limiting you? Well, you look at it, and you look at, where did I get this from? Well, my parents always said that. Rich people have sold their soul to the devil. Spiritual people shouldn't have money. Good people don't pursue money. That's not true. You can actually do a lot of good with money. The more money you have, if you're a good person, the more you can benefit other people. And people are very attached to their beliefs, oh, right? They're, they're fixed. Attached, they're like, yeah. well, I, you know, right and wrong. Yeah. And I'm a good person. Sure. And that person over there is bad because yeah. they sure. did X. So we have fixed beliefs and limiting beliefs. But go back. Where does this belief come from? Who told you that? What did they know anyway? That was their generation. My parents' generation, you became wealthy if you were educated. That's no longer true. So many internet millionaires who started stuff like Facebook and <coughs> PayPal didn't necessarily have a university education. So, so many old beliefs are no longer correct. And you have to rip up that belief and form a new one because you make your beliefs, then your beliefs make you. So you might as well make your beliefs amazing. More meaningful conversations in just a bit. If you run a creative business, you know how to make your clients look good. But if you're struggling with tedious administrative tasks, let HoneyBook do the work and make you look good. If you have a great idea for a business, what's holding you back? If the thought of all that administration work is overwhelming, HoneyBook is here to help you get your plan off the ground. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that lets you control your client communication, your bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. If you're a creative freelancer or a small business owner, HoneyBook helps you stay organized with custom templates and automation tools. You can even use your HoneyBook to consolidate services you already use, like QuickBooks, Google Suite, and MailChimp. 
Over 75,000 photographers, designers, event professionals, and other entrepreneurs have saved hundreds to thousands of hours a year. It's your business just better with HoneyBook. Right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off your first year with promo code MEANINGFUL. Payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. So go to HoneyBook.com and use promo code MEANINGFUL for 50% off your first year. Get paid faster and work smarter with HoneyBook.com, promo code MEANINGFUL. Now back to the conversation. So we were talking about the mind once again, and what I really love about everything you're saying is that you're giving the person, the individual myself, the power Mm. to change my beliefs, to change the words that I'm using, to change my habits, to change my outlook, to be responsible for what is coming into me and what I'm putting out and and to be responsible for my own life. Mm. And you were talking about that the common denominator of all of our emotional issues is that we feel we're not enough and that we feel different so we can't connect. And you talk in the beginning of the book about disconnection and rejection Mm. and this feeling that we all have that we're different. But what I love in here is you said, since our greatest fear is to be different, the fact that everyone thinks they're different means we're actually all the same. Yeah. I was like, bam, drop the mic. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> of course, when you're born, you need to connect in order to survive. So we're born needing connection and fearing rejection because that's how we survive. If I'm connected and not rejected, I'll make it. But of course, we used to live in tribes and we were all the same. We looked the same, we did the same, and now we live in multi-tribal, multicultural worlds and we form this belief. I'm different, so I can't connect. I'm different, so I can't find love. I'm different, so other people get what I don't get. But that's our greatest fear. And if you fear being different, guess what? It just means you're like everyone, and everyone's like you. And you can connect with anyone by not believing you're different and believing that even if you were, they don't care. And you shouldn't care. Celebrate being different. But you're not that different. We're all the same. We have the same fears rejection, the same need, connection. So we're not different, we're the same. And that's a good thing. This title of this podcast and these conversations are meaningful Mm. conversations. I wanted to ask you, what's meaningful to you? How do you describe meaningful? And is that something when you meet people and talk to them and they come to see you that they say, I want to live a meaningful life and I just don't know how to do it? Yeah, you know, it's very important to live with meaning and it's very important to live with purpose. And when you do what you love, boom, you have meaning and purpose every day of your life. And a lot of people do what they hate because they're pursuing money and they're doing what they actually dislike. So if you want meaning and purpose, do something you love. When you do something you love, you feel like you never work a day in your life. And Look at what you love to do between the age of 7 and 14, because what you love to do then is always a key to what your gifts are and what your skills are. And the other thing to do is don't say, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I'm thinner. 
I've had some Botox, I've got a pay rise, I'll be happy when the kids have left home. You know, I see people going, I'll be happy when my baby can walk, when it can feed itself, when they're at school, when we've got the money. And all that time you're waiting to be happy. There is no journey where you arrive at happiness. Happiness is where you are now. It's an inside job. Mm -hmm. Even Abraham Lincoln said, people are as happy as they choose, decide to be. You have to be happy now. You can't say, I'll be happy when. So somebody says, well, that's great, Marissa, but I can't be happy now. Because why can't you be happy now? Because you're I'm, waiting. I'm, not, I'm working. I'm making mm-hmm. you know minimum wage. I can't afford it a place to live. Mm-hmm. I can't afford to travel. I can't afford to eat. So how can I be happy? Well, you know, your problem is someone else's fantasy dream come to go to downtown Jamaica, go to Mexico and see people who go, well, your problem is my fancy. You've got a job. You've got somewhere to live. You've got food. You know, once you go to third world countries, you really realize how privileged we are to live in a free country. And you have to think, what would you have given 20 years ago to have the problem? Your kid keeps you up at night. Your husband leaves his underpants on the floor and makes a mess in the sink. But 10 years ago, you'd have loved to have that problem. Minimum wage is difficult, but if you focus on where you want to go, I'm on minimum wage, but I'm earning and I've got skills. And if I believe in myself, in this company, I can get promoted. If I go into work with the belief that I'm indispensable, I've got something to offer. I have something of immense value to offer to this company. They will pick up what you believe about you. And there are many people who are earmarked and taken from nothing to everything. Wait, just pause it because you said people will believe what you believe. What you believe. About you. Yeah. And you write in here about doing things you hate. Yeah. First in the morning. And, you know, finding out, like you talk in here about uh, wanting to write books, Mm -hmm. wanting to raise your profile and getting rejected and then reaching out Mm. to write an article, and now that people like myself reach out to you, right? Because, But you had to do that. You had to begin to believe in yourself, and you had to do something that you didn't like, which is reach out and get rejected. Sure. And you did it first thing in the morning. Yeah, and I can still remember that feeling of that thud. That thud is when your manuscript is returned, that hitting... The, the thing, and I knew, I thought, oh, it's just been sent back. They only send it back when they don't want it. And I can remember hearing that thud. But I also know J.K. Rowling, you heard that thud many times too. And success is not being, not being not knocked down. It's how fast you get up again. You pick up that manuscript, you relabel it, you send it back. You send it back until someone says, I want this book. And that happened to me. I think one of my books was rejected 10 times, but I just kept going because success is how much you can bounce back. You get dumped, go out and find someone else. Don't sit at home crying about it. Go out. So you're saying there that you could have adopted the, I'm not good enough, I'm rejected, I'll never be a published writer, or you, you, you got it back, you changed your belief system. Yeah. You added different words. Yeah. I'm a player. I can get in. Yeah. I can be a competitor. I'm good enough. Yeah. I can do this. Sure. And I, I didn't always believe it when I was writing my book. It's very easy to go, what if no one likes it? What if someone gives it a terrible review? But you have to keep going, this is a great book. This is an amazing book. People will love it, even if you don't believe it, mm-hmm. because that's how you get published. That's how you get booked as a speaker. You have to fake it till you make it because if you fake it enough, it stops being a fake 
and it becomes real. I know that because in the Second World War, officers in Colditz who were mad would be sent back and they pretended to be mad and so many of them went mad that they had to take that out of the Geneva Convention. We no longer can now pretend you're crazy because the likelihood of you becoming crazy is really high. So when you fake something enough, it becomes you and you become it. So fake good stuff, not bad stuff. So you also write in here that it's almost never been more difficult in our world to adapt I'm enough, I believe in myself, to use positive language because of really social media's influence on a 24-hour basis of, you know, comparing yourself, seeing what other people are doing, that it's so easy to go down the rabbit hole today. So what do you advocate for people who are listening to this and they understand? And I want to really stress that this is, for me anyway, I took it in as different than positive thinking. I'm looking, I liked the concept of I'm giving my mind a blueprint. A blueprint. To move myself forward, right? And it's clear direction. It's not just, you're pretty today, Maria. It's like, you know, you're a survivor. You're enough. You're creative. You're competent. You're compassionate. Those are Mm. the words that, and you're going to use those attributes to move you forward, right? So it's different. But I, and I think everybody does, you, you feel like that, and then you turn on your Instagram app, and you see everybody who just got a show, and they're doing this, and you're doing that, and then you kind of go, oh, oh. Right? Yeah. (laughs) It isn't positive thinking. It is clear, relevant, detailed, powerful dialoguing with your mind. Your mind should be. Repeat that. Okay. It isn't positive thinking. This is clear, relevant, up to date, detailed programming with your mind. Your mind should be your best friend. It should be your PA. It should be your most supportive. It should be a cheerleader going, oh, you can do anything. Yes, look at you. You've got this. And if you train your mind, it will be a cheerleader and it will go, you can do this. No one can do this better than you. This has got your name all over it. You're it. I wrote in the yeah. Sunday paper a little while ago about being having that feeling of like, I've been tagged, yeah. as Jeff Bridges said in the Golden Globe speech. I'm it. Mm. I'm tagged. I'm, mm. I'm wow. Yeah. Because you can be whatever you want to be, but, you know, we're all taught, learn to communicate with your staff, your clients, your customers, your husband, your wife. No, communicate with yourself. There's no better communication than with yourself. When you communicate with your mind like it's working for you, it will do its job. Your mind will do its job. But you've got to do your job and tell your mind what you want. Don't tell it, oh, I don't want to get dumped. I don't want to get rejected. Don't tell it what you don't want. Tell it what you want. I want success, love, recognition. If you tell it you want that enough, your actions will move you towards what you want. Because the mind is so busy trying to move you from what you don't want. Don't go away. We'll have more of the conversation in just a moment. But first, let's talk about one of our sponsors. Stress is a worldwide epidemic. We're working longer hours, we're inundated with the constant news cycle, and we're more connected than ever before. Stress is a big part of life, but it can very easily affect also our overall well-being. That's why we're partnering with Calm, the number one app to help you reduce your anxiety and stress and help you sleep better. 
More than 40 million people around the world have already downloaded it. So if you head over to calm.com slash meaningful, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes, by the way, guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus, including a brand new meditation each day. There are also sleep stories. Yep. There are bedtime stories for adults designed to help you relax. Head to the magical lavender fields of Southern France with Stephen Fry or explore the moonlit jungles of Africa with Leona Lewis. They even have soothing music and so much more. Right now, Meaningful Conversation listeners, that's you, well, you get 25% off a Calm Premium subscription at calm.com slash meaningful. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash meaningful. Get unlimited access to all of Calm's content today at calm.com meaningful. Get calm and stop stressing. Now let's get back to the conversation. And you also write in here about recognizing that the mind is not you. No, it's not you. The mind is a part. So talk to it as a another person. Person in a way, right? Yeah. Like it's your PA. Right. So stop beating me up today. I don't I want you to leave the room or saying to your mind, you're in a timeout. Yeah. Or what you're giving me is not productive. So take a hike. Yeah. You kind of Rather than tell your mind what you don't want, because whatever you focus on, you tend to get more of, tell it what you want. Got it. I, even when you go to bed, say, okay, now I want to go to sleep. I want my mind to empty. You don't go, I, I don't want to stay awake. I've got to get up at six. I need five hours sleep. I, I'm not, I have to be a bit asleep soon. Because the mind doesn't understand what you don't want. It's like saying, I don't want to eat chocolate. I don't want to eat chocolate. I don't want to eat chocolate. What are you thinking about now? Chocolate. Of course, because the mind responds to words that make a picture. So you have to say, I want to really love healthy food and be a selective eater and love my body enough to respect it. The mind understands that picture. The mind goes for words that make a picture. I don't want to eat donuts. You might as well go, I'm eating six donuts because you've just talked about donuts. But I want to be a healthy eater every day, every mealtime. I'm choosing healthy food. The mind goes, I've got that. That makes sense. I can do my job because you did your job. You told me what you wanted so clearly that there was no room for misinterpretation. Why do you travel all over the world? spreading this message to people that they're enough? Well, because it changes my life. People write to me and say, my kid was being bullied really badly and I'm enough changed his life. People write to me and go, you know, what got me out of an abusive marriage was those words. What got me to go to my boss and go, look, I need a promotion. I'm not appreciated. It was those words. And so all over the world, people tell me, gosh, who would have thought three words could change my life, my kid's life, my career? And even people who can't get pregnant will say, wow, you know, I realized that I had a fear that my kid wouldn't love me because I didn't like my mum. And when I realize I'm enough to be a better mum, got pregnant like that. So it's, it's the impact. 
I, I see the impact it makes all over the world. Even in Africa, even in countries where people are really suffering, they love I'm Enough. You know, I, I, my friend has an orphanage called Ethendweni, and I've been there and worked with those children. It's very important to believe they're enough. We're now putting it in the school system. We, we've got some talks with juvenile detention about putting it in there. Rehabs to come back to and go, wow, you know, this I'm enough with addicts because, of course, every addict has the same thing. I'm not enough. And if I'm not enough, what do I need? More. More alcohol, more drugs, more gambling. And, and you can cure it in rehab, but unless you extract the belief that I'm not enough... The, the re-going back is so high. And our I'm Enough is changing addiction. It's, it's changing for the word. What's the word? It's changing the relapse. It's changing relapse rates really well. Well, you just said something that's really, it's not just the words I'm enough. It's you have to go back to where that belief came from switch that, yeah. and then the words land, right? Yeah. I'll give you an example. I met someone on a beach in Costa Rica. I happened to be giving a talk there, and he said, you know, I'm in and out of addictions. I've, I just cannot be clean. What's wrong with me? I said, I don't know. Tell me about your life. And he told me very briefly that he was Iranian. He had an older brother and him, and then they had twin brothers. And I said, well, that's it. In an Iranian family, the first son always has an identity. And you were the baby. And you got replaced twice by twin brothers. And you never felt enough. You didn't have a role in that family. It was always my eldest son and the twins. The twins were everything. And here's you, this blob in the middle. And he had to then go, but that's not me. Of course, I don't live in that family. It doesn't matter what my brother's doing. It doesn't matter what the twins are doing. I'm married with my own kid. And he wrote to me and said, you know, that five-minute talk on the beach changed my life. I've never gone back to rehab because I suddenly went, oh, I'm not enough because I was this thing in the middle. But that's not me. I don't even live with these people. I've got a career and I'm everything. And sometimes that can happen. I was the eldest and I had to look after six kids and no one cared about me. I was the baby. And people go, oh, no one's listening to you. Um, so often our role in the family or the way our parents label us will begin this belief. Doesn't this happen belief. to everybody? Everybody. Everybody. Right. Yeah, it happened to me. My sister was a cute, pretty baby. My brother was the academic. I was just this thing. I thought I was stupid and hideous and ugly, and I was going to be a nanny. That's all I thought I could ever do because I didn't feel good about myself at all. Luckily, it got better, and then I began to realize that I was enough. But now, none of that matters, because I don't live in that home. I'm not trying to please my dad, who was an eminent principal. I realized that actually my background made me determined to prove myself, and it was actually a gift to me in a strange way. Because if I had been the favorite child, I wouldn't have had that burning desire to go out do something. I wouldn't have understood what it's like to feel so insignificant because we need to be significant, not insignificant. And knowing what it felt like was the passion that made me want to help other people know that you're significant. So I think the idea of feeling significant, doing something significant, feeling visible when so many people feel invisible, feeling big when so many people feel small. Is that a mind thing? Do you have to see things that you didn't think were big as big? Do you have to 
attach significance to whatever you're doing as opposed to waiting for somebody to tell you it's significant? Yeah, you have to say, I am enough. I, I'm not my child or I'm not my weight. I'm not significant because someone loves me. I'm not insignificant because someone doesn't love me. I matter. You know, if every kid could go to school every day saying four things, I'm enough, I matter, I'm significant, and I'm lovable, bullying would diminish Repeat so the much. four things. Repeat the four things. I'm enough, I matter, I'm significant, I'm lovable. So it's not only if kids could go to school, but that's a great adults day for too. kids. If adults could start their day, I'm enough, I'm lovable, I matter, I matter I'm and I'm signif significant. Yeah, if and everyone could start their day, write it on your mirror, put it on your phone alerts, make it all your passwords, make this what you do, not what you say. Become a living, walking, talking example of enoughness. You look at the people who are doing the bullying. No one wakes up and goes, my life's so great. Who can I bully? No troll wakes up and goes, oh, my life's good. Let me go online and diminish somebody. So the people that do the bullying, do the trolling, do the diminishing, feel not enough, insignificant, that they don't matter. And it isn't just about helping bullied kids. We need to help the people who are doing the bullying because they fundamentally don't feel enough. And if everybody could start their day and if you're a parent do that say make your kids say it around the table the old ones will go oh but then they're going to hey mom you didn't do it today because they actually like it a, a teacher from a school said to me i just made 11 kids say this and they all started to cry i'm enough i matter I'm, I'm lovable and, and I'm, I'm significant. significant. And they said, I don't know why I'm crying, but these were the bullying kids. And said, it just changed them so much. So the book is I Am Enough, Mark Your Mirror and Change Your Life. There's also a free hypnosis download yeah. uh, to the book. And uh, there's a movement. You can follow Marissa on Instagram, online. You can take courses. and But the most important thing is you can read the book and digest the information and begin to reparent yourself with words that work f for you, with thoughts that help guide you towards the life you're trying to create. And that is, as we talk here all the time, about a meaningful life. And you can't create that unless you believe and that. And feel it, yeah. And feel it and and talk your way into sure. it, cheat your way into yeah, it. Yeah, lie, lie, cheat, and steal. Into it, into yeah. being enough, because actually you already are just yeah. by your divine birth sure. and your life here. So I'm so glad, Marissa, to meet you. I'm so glad to be able to read this book. And thank you for the messaging you're putting out into the world. And most important, the messaging you're putting out into every person's mind. Yeah, and you can go to imenough.com. And join the movement. We give lots of stuff away. They just go to IamEnough.com. And get free stuff. Get free stuff. <laughs> yeah, lots of, we, we give away lots well, we of just, free stuff. You give, uh, well, the, the free information you're giving away is the most important yes. that, to tell people I am enough. Yeah, Thank and you don't so much. just hear it. Do it. Do it. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Meaningful Conversations. If you're looking for more inspiration and words of wisdom, then please sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Sunday Paper. It's free and it's really good. Just visit my website, mariashriver.com to subscribe. I hope you'll also check out my book, I've Been Thinking, and its new companion, I've Been Thinking, The Journal. Like this podcast, these books were created to help you 
on your path to a meaningful life. More details on my website about all of that as well. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to being in community with you again right here each Monday.